In a series, we are at the end of a series on the Ten Commandments. And every week, what I've done is read the commandment, and then read another passage, a companion passage, from somewhere else in the Bible that's helped us to understand and apply that commandment to ourselves. So this morning, we are in Psalm 16. I'll read the Tenth Commandment, and then I'll read this psalm for us. Hear now the word of the Lord. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints of the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let's pray. Father, would you help us now to begin to taste of those pleasures? Would you help us to know that your presence, your spirit is here? Would you open us to his work through your word? Give us the humility to receive what you say, to trust that your words, they are life. And to be changed by the work that you do in and through us this morning. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. There is an embarrassing video of my brother and me. It's of one Christmas morning when I was probably 10 or 11. My mom hands us both a box, and we open the boxes, and we begin to jump up and down and scream in our very thick South Georgia accents, it's a swatch, it's a swatch, it's a swatch. Now, I don't know, most of you, some of you might not know what a swatch is. Uh, it, it is a Swiss brand of watches that for some reason became very popular, at least among our peer group, in the late 1980s. Now, why did I want a swatch? I was not born with a deep inner ache for that particular brand of timepiece. No, I learned that desire through other people and through the culture around me. You see, we're all born with some basic longings. But then those desires are 
formed and specified in relationship with other people. Most of what we want, we learn from what others have. Spend a few moments with toddlers, and that will prove my point. You see, we all want to eat, but it is in relationship that we learn to crave Cheetos. We all want to get from here to there, but it is in culture, in relationship, that we learn to want the fully loaded Honda Odyssey. Or at least that's my stage of life. I don't know what it is. We all want approval. But it is in relationship that we learn to desire good grades or a certain physical appearance or a higher level of achievement at work. We learn what we want through what others have. And the Tenth Commandment addresses a distortion in that learning process. We're desiring becomes coveting. Or a word we use more often, envy. Normal and healthy longings become harmful obsessions. And so I want us to consider this commandment about our desires. And we'll look at it in two parts. First, the problem with our desires. And second, the solution for our desires. First of all, the problem. Desire is not bad. There is a misperception out there that thinks the more spiritual you are, the less you want. That's not Christian spirituality. In fact, it is just the opposite. You can hear it here in Psalm 16 and resounding throughout the Psalms and throughout Scripture. Deep longings. Expressed to God. Desire isn't the problem. The trouble is when desire becomes dissatisfaction. It becomes that restlessness where no person, no possession, no experience is ever quite enough. That's what covetousness creates. That is the problem that envy produces. Because you can always look around and find someone who has more or better than you. There's always someone on Instagram who's having more fun or leading a seemingly more significant life than yours. And when you live that life of comparison, you will live unfulfilled dissatisfied. And that's not just an emotional or an existential issue. Dissatisfaction produces disobedience. The placement of this last commandment is no accident. Because the, dis, because the tenth commandment is one of the primary reasons we break all the other commandments. Desire distorted by comparison is why we steal, it's why we lie, it's why we commit adultery, it's why we murder, it's even why we dishonor parents. Because we're overwhelmed with a want 
for what other people have. And that's not only a problem for our relationship with other people. The first four commandments guide us to a relationship with God, a relationship that should be characterized by exclusive worship and loyalty. When we envy, we say God and His gifts aren't enough. And then we give our worship We give our loyalty to something else. That's why the book of Ephesians says, covetousness is idolatry. In the book, The Horse and His Boy, which is one of the Narnia stories by C.S. Lewis, there is a refrain. And people will come and will talk to Aslan the lion, and they'll ask him about other people and what's going on with them. And he says to them some version of this, Child, I am telling you your story, not hers. I tell no one any story but his own. To covet is to demand someone else's story. And to demand another story is to demand another storyteller. Envy is idolatry. Envy is a parasite on our desires that will always leave us hungry. And that insatiable life of comparison, it will always lead us away from love. Jesus says, the essence of the law of God is what? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Envy makes both of those loves impossible. So what do we do? You realize, don't you, that our culture is driven by envy. It's the engine of our culture and so often the engine of our own hearts. So how do we deal with this subtle but overwhelming force in our lives? Well, consider, secondly, the solution. The the solution for our desires. I've mentioned at several points in this series the theme of inheritance. And it once again comes into play with this last commandment. God, as He takes His people into a land, which is an inheritance that He will divide among them, He says to them, be content with your peace. Be content with your place that I am giving to you. Contentment is the solution for covetousness. But saying, be content, doesn't make us content, does it? No, contentment will come from a deeper understanding of inheritance. Because God gave His people this land not only as a home for themselves, but as a home with Him. It was to be not only a place of sustenance, but a place of presence where He dwelled with them. It's what produces the poetry of Psalm 16. David sings about his beautiful inheritance, right? 
But where does David find satisfaction? Verse 2. I have no good apart from You, Lord. Verses 5 and 6. The Lord is my portion. He is my cup. He holds my lot. That's why the lines fall in pleasant places. That's why the inheritance is beautiful. Verse 11. In your presence is fullness of joy. Because God is his portion, David can find contentment even in the face of death. Satisfaction happens for us when our emptiness meets the fullness of God's presence. Just as we learn desire in relationship, we will also learn contentment only in relationship with Him. At the Robson House, we are fans of Shaun the Sheep. And so, of course, we went to see the new movie uh, released just a few weeks ago. And in that movie, Sean, who's a sheep, if you hadn't picked pick that up from the title, uh, Sean sees an advertisement on a bus, and it's a woman lounging on a beach chair with a drink in her hand, and the ad says, you need a day off. And so Sean decides that indeed he and his colleagues on the farm need a day off. He covets a vacation. And so he comes up with this plan to dispose of the farmer for one day so they can have a day off, so he can get what he wants. And I won't spoil the rest of the plot for you, uh, but, but needless to say that in the process of his plan, they lose the farmer. And then Sean learns what he really wants. He learns in the process of the story that he doesn't want a day off. He wants the life that he already has on the farm with the farmer. He learns contentment in relationship. The possibility of fulfillment for us in our daily life on the farm is in that we are not alone. That God is with us. That is not to say that God shows up and immediately meets all of our longings. All of our, de- our desires, fulfilled, done, happy. No more longings. No, it is that He is present with us in those unmet longings and He holds out to us a future of immeasurable delight. You can be satisfied with your story because it is only in your particular story that you meet and live with the storyteller. Coveting will end when God's presence is enough. How do we know we have that presence? How do we know that we have that fulfilling presence? David had an inheritance, a plot of land, We have a better inheritance. 
in the person of Jesus. We have a better inheritance through Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts, two early Christian leaders, Peter and Paul, both reach back to Psalm 16. And they say when David was singing about this confidence that God would not abandon him to the grave, that God would not let his Holy One see corruption, David ultimately was singing of Christ and his resurrection. And the story of Acts shows us that Jesus died and He rose in order to do something. In order to pour out God's Spirit. God's fulfilling presence on those who believe in Him. We have the fulfilling presence of God through faith in Jesus. And we will learn contentment in conversation with Jesus. Promo for next week. We are starting a series in the Gospel of John. And one of the unique features of that Gospel is long, extended conversations with Jesus. Conversations in which people find out that Jesus gives living water to quench their thirst. Conversations in which people find out that Jesus is the bread of life who meets their hunger. Our ultimate response to the Tenth Commandment should be to enter conversations with Jesus like that. Conversations where we bring and we speak our deepest desires. Even the unfilled, the broken ones, we speak them honestly to Him and we hear in return His sufficiency. And we experience His presence. And we come to know that He is enough. Contentment is not some resignation to scarcity. It is not just some resignation, this is what I have and this is all I have. No, it is the recognition of the abundance of what you have in Jesus. It is coming to know and experience that He is not only enough, He is more than enough. Jesus enough for you? When He is, your whole being will resonate with joy as He says to you, Child, I am telling you your story. Let's pray.